From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, it's great to be back with you on another, another episode. Oh, it's great to be back, Steve. And uh, this is an interesting one we have today. I, I do agree. And I think we're, we're going to get a little deep. We're going to talk a little bit about some science. And, and uh, we, we had a, uh, a submission from a listener, and I'll, I'll let you set that up for us. Sure. Uh, so Aaron uh, from actually my uh, higher ed Slack group, he's also a member on the HEPMA board. Uh, he actually tagged you and I in this article that kind of goes back to one of our beginning episodes where I mentioned uh, programmers are a, a unique breed. Um, so this is a John Hopskin magazine article. Its title is Inside Programmer's Brain. And their scientists are actually trying to study to see what areas of the brain lights up when programmers are working on code. And what I find weird about this article is why? Like, I understand that knowing if someone's a good program is great, but I'm not going to hook up a scan to myself when I'm taking an interview, am I? Um, and I think this leads us into the our topic for today is there's also more skills, especially in AV programming over software development that us programmers need to know besides, you know, line of code and symbols. Um, I mean, I know my daily job is more than just coding. I'm also looking at installing hardware, like the physically installing it, the proper way of doing that and single flow and figuring all that out. So uh, I'll swing this over to you, Steve, and uh, see what you think about this. I, I, I agree. I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, one, I'm curious to hear what, what it was the impetus for having this research because I mean, there, I'm sure that there's many professions that they can try to detect where, what uh, are the, the brain and what, what, what parts of the brain may indicate a, a, uh, an effective person you know, doing uh, any type of, of a specialty. But the, to your point about uh, programmers needing to be able to know a lot of things, it's, it's couldn't be any more true. I think, you know, I said a while ago that, uh, not on this podcast, but, uh, but uh, now's a good time to share it, is that a programmer, a programming project is probably less than 50% programming. There's so many other things that go into making a project, a programming project successful. And a programmer really needs to be able to have skills in so many different areas to be able to get to a point that they wrote code that worked. So what does that mean? It, it means uh, first understanding what it is that they're trying to do. And you've brought this up a lot of times. It's the, we have to be client-centric. We have to be user-centric. And we have to make sure that we understand how to implement what a solution that users are going to find easy and effective, not what we're going to find easy and effective. 
um, time management and and being able to interface with people, which is I think a big thing that programmers often get looked down upon is that you can't put your programmer in front of pe people and you can't make them client facing. And I think that that's something that if I were to describe what a good programmer needs to be, they need to need to be able to communicate. And they, they also need to be able to do many of the things that you mentioned in terms of the, the knowledge, but most effectively and most importantly, I think it's testing and troubleshooting because in the end, nothing works the first time. And the key is, is figuring out what to do when it doesn't work. Yes. Uh, troubleshooting is definitely um, a art and skill that we need. I mean, for example, we keep talking about we control displays a lot and sources. So if you have a code to turn on a display and your user's hitting that button and the display's not turning on, you got to figure out why. You have to know why. It could be bad wiring. That's not programming. It could be power issue, which again is not programming. So troubleshooting art is uh, definitely needed by programmer because everyone, trust me, everyone's going to point to programming first. It's always a programmer's fault. Um, even if the building has no power for some reason, that's our fault. So knowing what our program is supposed to do and how everything's interaction is very key. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I often say that it, it, when a client presses a button or anybody presses a button and that button doesn't do what they think it should do, not necessarily what it was intended to do or what was agreed upon, but what they think it should do, it, it becomes a punchless item or it becomes a bug. And I think the, the uh, programmer is needs to be able to be armed with the either uh, uh, the documentation that they're providing what they said that they were going to provide or be able to help to identify or, or, or rule out that it's a programming issue. And that that's a lot of what it is that we spend a lot of time doing is we need to make sure that we can prove to somebody that it isn't the program. Um, it's, it's such a common thing. And I think any programmer needs to be prepared to do that. So you know, having patience and discipline are another good uh, two skill sets that I think programmers need to make sure that, that they possess. Um, one of the things I think, you know, if we come back to that article, that is probably important is that I think programmers go into, like, get in the zone. And, you know, that's another thing that is, uh, that's important to realize that you, you just can't have a programmer work in an area that they can't concentrate. And may, maybe that's, that's kind of what they're measuring when they're look, looking at, at some of the things that, that the brain is lighting up. Yeah, it definitely was more looking at um, like they're trying to say programming uh, programmers use more of their language when they're learning code. So it's like learning languages and talking and speaking over the physicality of doing other things task-wise, like put installing equipment. So that's kind of what I took from the article. But you're right, is 
we do get in the zone. I know I've done that many times where I'm sitting in my office. I got my music playing and next thing I know it's four o'clock and I'm written thousand lines of code, not realizing the day went by. And those, those are probably the best days, right? <laughs> um, sometimes, um, I actually love the one, uh, saying is, uh, best thing I ever, I forget the guy who said it, it was a Linux developer, but he said best thing he ever did was throw out a thousand lines of code and start over. You're right. Yeah. Cause sometimes you just got to do that, but yes, when you can get in the zone and go, that's definitely, uh, beneficial makes the day go quicker and makes programming enjoyable. Absolutely. If you were to try to help somebody, you know, like, so, so somebody would, somebody came and said, I, Hey, I want to get into this. Are there some questions that you could ask or some, some, um, way to help them understand what they're getting themselves into? Um, first off, I say, turn around and run away. Right. <laughs> Don't become a programmer. Now, uh, programming is definitely, uh, enjoyable, but as I mentioned before, is we're our unique beast. Um, even as you mentioned, is uh, we also got to be able to have take the blame, uh, almost like networking guys. It's always networking problems or it's always programming problems. Um, it's never the installer. It's never hardware. It's always either network or uh, the programmer's fault. So you can't come back at being defensive and saying, no, it's not my fault. It could be. Um, so you have to know your discipline plus the installer's discipline and cabling discipline to know, okay, no, it's not my program. Someone wired the serial cable wrong. You got to be able to know that because if you don't know how a serial cable is wired, can you prove that your program is not at fault? I, I think if you continue on that thought, not only do you not have to be able to know, but you also sometimes have to be able to show somebody how to fix it. Because in, in the end, until you press that button and it does what you're supposed to do, you're still on the hook. Oh, yes. Um, and that is uh, the one thing with programmers. Well, you you got to be able to do many hats, wear many hats, and you know be able to do serial control or... Like, I'll admit, I don't know how to solder. I learned years ago, but I don't use it anymore. Um, so if I need something to solder, I actually rely on my coworker who's very good at it. Um, but I also need to know which pins I need. So maybe I'm not actually doing the physicality of soldering the cable, but I need to know that he is wiring the pins up correctly. Um, that'll work with the equipment and the program. So there's definitely cross learning that we need to do as programmers. I think the last thing I'll, I'll add there is you mentioned signal flow and you mentioned uh, other aspects of AV. I think that being able to understand and open a manual and read it, read about a product and know how to set it up and know what it can and can't do and how to use it is also key because the, 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 uh, that the, that's just a, yet another variable in a system, and uh, and and many products these days they're they're uh, more sophisticated and more software driven, 
Um, sometimes they need a firmware update. Sometimes they need certain settings. If they're on a network, it needs to, and, and networking is yet another aspect that needs to, uh, to, to come into a programmer's world. So there's, there's a whole lot of ideas and, and um, areas of knowledge aside from writing code, which I think is what makes a, the AV programming world special. So it, it's, uh, I'm sure that other people that are in the, the software development realm have things that they need to learn and that there's some overlap, but, but the, the Navy programmer almost has to be the kind of the, when they're at a job site and trying to get something working, they, they, they almost need to be the one quarterbacking the, the, uh, the rollout, the, the testing, the, the uh, commissioning. Yeah, I, I think you hit it pretty well there. They have to be the quarterback, um, or in my world with soccer, the goalkeeper. Because um, not only does a quarterback need to know what he needs to do, or the goalkeeper needs to do what they need to do, they also got to know every other player's position and what they need to do. So he needs to know where his running backs or his wide receivers are going so he can get the ball to it. And if he noticing that the path they're taking is not the correct one, he needs to figure out the best way of doing that. And with goalkeepers, the same thing, you need to know where your defenders are, your midfields and your strikers and making sure that, yeah, your job is to prevent the ball from going in the net. But actually uh, what I always tell my goalkeepers is, your number one job as a goalkeeper is not to make the save. It's to prevent the shot. And the only way you can prevent the shot is knowing what your teammates are supposed to do and getting them in the right position um, and making sure they do their job. Same thing on a job site with AV. Like we need to make sure our installers are installing the equipment, right? Connecting the cables to the right port. So our programs can work. I, I, think that that's a, a good way of summing this one up and a good, probably a good place to leave it for today. But again, another, another topic that leaves, uh, a, just leaves us scratching our head a bit and, um, can, can be discussed and debated and, and, uh, it will become even more clear as we discuss other people's experiences, because I'm sure that it's very relatable. Um, with that said, we, you know, we definitely want to hear from you. So please, uh, reach out to us. Um, and, and share your feedback, share your questions, share the episode with a friend, you know, and, and, and let's get more people into this conversation and, and uh, see how we could expand the, the knowledge and, and the uh, topics that we're covering. Um, with that said, James, how can people get in touch with you and also um, read some of the content and hear some of the things that you're doing? So the easiest way to get a hold of me is uh, on Twitter. AV underscore James King is my handle. I am on LinkedIn, not as active there, but I'm there. Um, I also write a monthly article for the higheredav.com website. The article is IT and AV. I'm also a member of the a crew member for uh, the AV Life pod, uh, which is a weekly podcast. And as well as this comes out weekly and also have my board member. I keep for forgetting to mention that. Yeah. Uh, we welcome all of the, uh, the HEPMA listeners, please, uh, please chime in and, uh, 
and and share that I think a lot of where we were going with this was to answer and and hear uh, make sure that we're satisfying some, some of the questions that have been raised from that group. So so uh, hit uh, James up on Slack and and uh, let us know what you think and what you want to hear more of. For me, you can reach me on social media at Steve Greenblatt. Um, you could read some of my writing that I do for AV Technology at avnetwork.com and um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, and I also have a podcast on uh, AV Nation uh, called The State of Control, which is a, another look at the programming side of the AV industry that I do with my partner, Rich Fragoza. So check that out at uh, avnation.tv. Uh, for us, uh, that's what we have for today. And this has been Ask the Programmer.